You are listening to Loomis Life, proudly presented by the Loomis Communities. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win, and the others too. That was President John F. Kennedy speaking to a crowd at Rice University in September of 1962. His goal? Send a man to the moon by the end of the decade. I'm Joshua Powers and welcome to Loomis Life. Today we look back on that historical moon mission 50 years ago when Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and Michael Collins blasted off from Cape Canaveral and went to where no human had ever gone before. We will speak with a resident of Loomis Village, who was one of the many to proudly say that their work has gone to space and helped usher in a new era of exploration and technological advancement. On July 16, 1969, the United States and the world watched in awe as the Apollo 11 lunar module blasted off from Cape Canaveral, Florida and raced for the moon. T-minus 15 seconds, guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9, ignition sequence starts. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0, all engine running. Liftoff, we have a liftoff, 32 minutes past the hour, liftoff on Apollo 11. Tower cleared. We got a roll program. Neil Armstrong reporting the roll and pitch program, which puts Apollo 11 on a proper heading. Getting the lunar module into space was the job of the Saturn V rocket. Named the Saturn V because of the five F-1 engines that powered it, this state-of-the-art piece of rocketry was the brainchild of noted aerospace engineer Werner von Braun. The Saturn V was constructed by many outside contractors, one of those being IBM. IBM was in charge of designing and building the instrument unit. This is Apollo Control based on a vector from the instrument unit of the third stage of the Saturn V. Here on the ground, we're showing an orbit of 102.5 by 99.7 nautical miles. The one-meter-high ring was fitted at the top of the rocket's third stage and contained the rocket's guidance systems. Electronics inside the instrument ring included digital computers, analog flight control computers, inertial guidance platforms, control accelerometers, and control rate gyros. One of the men who worked on the design and building of the instrument unit was Elwyn Sanborn. Elwyn is a resident at Loomis Village in South Hadley, and today he sits down to talk about and reflect on the history made 50 years ago. Can you describe what you did for the Saturn V? We had they called the instrument unit, okay? That was really a guidance system for the rocket to get the unit up in space. That's really what I'm considering to try to get the module up there. IBM was the contractor. The instrument unit was, I don't know, around 22 feet in diameter and probably around 18 inches tall. And what happened is that they made sure that the, the missile itself 
uh, got up and, and to launch the unit in space. So what about you in particular? What work did you do on the Saturn V? We had to buy equipment to make sure that the equipment was working okay. And so some of the equipment was from uh, TI and those larger ones. So I was involved in helping the procurement of the equipment to meet the requirements that uh, the uh, instrument unit had to make. What was the building process like? The building process was the the ring, Mm -hmm. all right, and what happened was the ring inside, okay, was loaded with the other vendor equipment, and we had the, the IBM was really the brains of the equipment itself. So what happened was, even on going up on the uh, unit itself, uh, Apollo 11 was the one that went, of course, landed on the moon. But, of course, the instrument unit would never get there because it was ejected before. Apollo 12, okay, that was shot up, and they lost all the instruments from the Apollo 12, and what happened was the instrument unit took over to guide it, but they had to make sure that they found out what the problem was before they could use it. All right, so what happened was they, they corrected it and saved the mission the, on the Apollo 12, the instrument unit. Yeah. So what was it like watching the Apollo 11 go up to space? And you know that you've worked on this ring, and you've done all this to get it to work properly, and you're never going to see it again because it's going to be ejected in space. Right, it's going to be in the ocean. So what was that? What was that feeling like watching the Apollo go up, knowing that you had done work on it? Proud, or proud of the the equipment that we that it worked okay, and especially on, on the Apollo 12. Because I was not the only one that one of Von Braun wished to have on the equipment is. I'm going to get the equipment, and I'm going to make sure that it works. And so we had to put uh, stresses on the equipment before it went up in there to ensure that the equipment worked. So it was really a stress testing. The equipment, of course, had to meet certain vibration requirements and the temperature requirements and other signal requirements. What was that testing process like? What we did was go down to the vendors that made the equipment and went into their laboratories and identified what, the, what we made sure that it would work and do what it was supposed to do, even under stressful conditions. In, in a way, we had to make sure that the, that the vendors, okay, did the proper testing and integrated it into the instrument unit itself. So you had a a unit that was attached to the side of the equipment of the instrument unit. How long was the testing process? Well, I went down. uh, The testing process was approximately uh, 10 years. 10 years of testing to make sure that this equipment would work and it could handle the stresses. in, In a way, it was 10 years. We made sure that whatever we put on the instrument unit would follow the criteria of what the vibration and, and temperature would meet. So we had failures, and what failures we had to evaluate the failures and make sure that the failures were in the realm of the equipment that was going up. Sometimes we had to re- rework the equipment. Sometimes we said, okay, is this what you really want? And that was a identification of saying, is, yes, we do. I know, obviously, everyone remembers the Apollo missions for their success. Yes. 
But did you have any memorable failures while you were working on this piece of equipment? We had a few failures. It was a process that you take into consideration and make sure that the process was correct. Now, obviously, after the Apollo 11 is a success. Yeah. And now you have to start preparations for Apollo 12. Right. What changed in between? Did you take what was learned from the Apollo 11 and put it into use for the Apollo 12? Oh, yes, we did. Oh, it was a continuing process, even the earlier Apollo programs, what worked and what didn't work. The end results was really you had to evaluate what success the, those pieces of equipment was. I, I don't know, we probably had around 10 or 12 major contractors that we were working with. Yeah, a lot of travel. Well, you get to see a lot of the country, so that's always good. No, you didn't see much of the country. <laughs> <laughs> All you saw was equipment that you think will work. So how many, obviously you did Apollo 11, and you worked with Apollo 12. Did you work with Apollo 13 as well? In, in essence, we did, yes. We worked with all of them right up to Apollo 20, I think it was. So with each mission that came back, they're learning more and they're developing more. How did the technology change from Apollo 11 and, until the later Apollos? Not much. No? No. We, we were very lucky making sure that that equipment worked originally. You understood that when you had each Apollo, it was identified as being... This is what we want. Hmm? What other projects did you work on? <clears throat> well, I worked for, with IBM on the Federal Systems Division, and uh, the Federal System you know, had a lot of the equipment that was available. One was the AWACS program. One was the helicopter program. And, of course, it took me around. I think I lived in 10 different spots. What was that feeling like, watching the first man walk on the moon? Accomplished something. I would think that looking at it and seeing it, wow, that was successful. That was a, a goal in itself. Hello, Neil and Buzz. I'm talking to you by telephone from the Oval Room at the White House. And this certainly has to be the most historic telephone call ever made. I just can't tell you how proud we all are of what you For every American, this has to be the proudest day of our lives. And for people all over the world, I am sure they too join with America in recognizing what an immense feat this is. Because of what you have done, the heavens have become a part of man's world. And as you talk to us from the sea of tranquility, it inspires us to redouble our efforts to bring peace and tranquility to Earth. For one priceless moment in the whole history of man, all the people on this Earth are truly one. One in their pride in what you have done. And one in our prayers that you will return safely to Earth.